Welcome to the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I am your host, career coach, and job search ally. People strive to find career happiness, purpose, and satisfaction, and yet end up in a career path that does not align with their goals and overall purpose. If you are launching your career or ready for your next career move, this podcast will empower you to pave your path and take the action steps to get you where you need to be. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Liz Career Coaching Podcast. My name is Liz Herrera and I'm your host. If you are on the job hunt, this episode is for you. Today, we are focusing on removing barriers from the job search process. Many of you have probably experienced how draining and time-consuming it can be to go through the job search process. You apply for jobs online, you apply to dozens, hundreds, whatever the case may be, and you don't hear back. You feel that you are qualified for the positions you are applying for, and you still don't get any results. And this can be a very frustrating process. And again, there are so many different barriers when it comes to the job search. And that is the reason why today I have a very special guest that is going to talk to us about her business and her company and how she works with candidates to help them remove those barriers. So Eleanor Migoda is the CEO and co-founder of JobStep. It is the fastest way to get a better job. Eleanor is passionate about using technology and data, breaking down barriers to growing careers and expanding access to the wealth that those careers bring. Prior to JobStep, she built data science-enabled products at tech companies, including the third largest U.S. job board. And we are very lucky to have her here today. Hello, Eleanor, and welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today. Hi, Liz. I'm so excited to be on this show with you. I love your show and I love your mission and just really excited. Yes, I, you know, I love that you are the CEO and co-founder of JobStep. And so today what we're we're really going to dive into the job search process. And one of the biggest things I think when you and I connected is, you know, the, the barriers that come with applying online, using technology. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that looks like? What are the actual barriers? What's going on with the job search and technology? Yeah. Yeah. This is a really good question. I don't think we talk about this enough and especially in how the barriers are just not evenly distributed, right? So when, when we started JobSep, we started by surveying hundreds of job seekers. I think we surveyed over 600 job seekers and then probably spoke to another 120, 150 um, about their experience with the job search. And one of the numbers that stuck out to us when we averaged it out, the average job seeker had applied to 26 jobs for every interview that they got, right? And if you think about how much time the average application takes, if you're doing it right, if you're customizing your resume and you're, you know, looking for jobs that you think you have at least 60 to 70% of the requirements, right? This can take anywhere from five minutes. If you're super, super fast to half an hour, if you're a little bit like me, you're like, Oh, I don't want to press the play button. I, I, you know, I need to make sure it's perfect. Right. 
half an hour times 26 applications to get one interview. And then you think about just the funnel, right? You're not always going to turn get that one interview and turn that into an offer, right? You don't know how many other candidates there are. You don't know, maybe you're having an off day. Maybe the interview is having off day. There are just so many variables that you cannot always control. And so now you multiply this, let's say 26 by five, you know, 125 applications, half an hour each, you're talking about 60 hours, right? Who's got 60 hours to apply? And and so, and then we think about, well, what does that mean for everyday people? So you might already have a job, you might be working multiple jobs, if they're unemployed, is a freelancer and a job search, you don't know when it's going to, to pay off, right? So, so let you ask me a kind of the, the numbers and the barriers. So 26 applications to, t- to turn into one interview. We see that on average, about 40% of first round interviews turn into a second round interview. The average recruitment process from that first interview to an offer can take most of companies um, between 20 and 30 days. Um, so you're looking at kind of four weeks of interviewing with a company if you get that offer and then 60 hours across a very long time, depending on how long it takes you to get those 125 applications out. Um, so to some to like, and when you add that all up, right, the, the federal research, um, what are they called, Fred, the Federal Research Bureau, I think it's economic research, they estimate right now that the average job search takes about six to seven months, right? Yes. So it's, it's just, it's this long slog of doing what we think is pretty mind numbing, pretty repetitive work. Um, and when the, when the result is kind of one interview for every 26 applications, you know, it, it's no wonder that a reasonable per- person goes, is this, is this worth it? And so what do people do when they don't have automation um, at their fingertips in the way that JobStep gives our job seekers, right? The, the answer is to network, right? You say, yes, network, build your network, talk to friends, um, see if you can get an introduction to that company. But of course, networks are not <laughs> evenly distributed, right? It really depends on your school or depends on your family. It depends on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or whether you work for a big company or a small company, and so we just thought this was deeply unfair. If you looked at the job search before before we existed with the automation that we bring to job seekers, if you didn't have a strong network, your choice was to spend hours and hours and hours and hours applying in this robotic function uh, robotic way or trying to simultaneously get a job and build a network at the same time, which when you're looking to get a job, you are at your most insecure, your most, your least confident, you're not setting yourself up well to kind of build that, that network. So that, that to us, so just kind of summarizing, what are the barriers? Barriers is, is just time. It's the amount of work and repetitiveness and time it takes to apply to a job. And then the deep unfairness, right? Some people just don't have a big network. And so if you are stuck if you don't have a strong network to kind of get around the typical job search to get through the side door to get um, to get that interview and, and know kind of the inside scoop, you're stuck applying online. And that just means that you kind of that 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 um, that inequality between people who have the network and people who don't. Yes. And, you know, that for me, that's one of the goals of, you know, even having this platform is that there are there are many barriers. And I know that there are some amazing people out there with great skills, great transferable skills, great work ethic, and they are equipped to be in such, you know, great roles. But like you're saying that time that it takes the energy 
the vulnerability, the rejections, you think there's something yeah. wrong with you because <laughs> you're applying right. to hundreds and right. hundreds of jobs and you're right. like, well, why am I not getting at least one caller? Like you're saying, you know, 26 applications for an interview. And that can really take a toll on someone's self-esteem and all those things. And exactly. so for me, I'm in this business because I want to make sure that people have the tools and the strategies right. yeah. to be able to break through those doors. And you're right. I always, you know, it's about your network, but there are other factors with that. People not having that social capital or mm-hmm. being an introvert is like, okay, well, if I don't know how to network, then what do I do? Right. What are your options? <laughs> exactly. And so you have created something that can really eliminate some of those barriers. But before we dive into that, I would love to hear about your mission, your purpose, and you know, what, why did you start this company? And, and, you know, what is your, what is, yeah, what is that affinity that you have? Yeah. Yeah. So our, our mission at JobStep is to break down barriers into growing careers. Um, And my co-founder and I, there were a lot of things in our lives that led us to this path. I think the first moment in my life that kind of really crystallized, yes, I want to think about this problem. I want to solve this problem. I used to work at this wonderful nonprofit called the Neighborhood Trust Financial Partners. They, for the last 25 years, have provided um, free financial counseling to low and middle income New Yorkers. Um, and I was part of uh, part of the organization where we were building um, products to help productize this and, and we scale this coaching through technology. So could we build an app to help people better manage their money? Could we build an app so that instead of relying on payday loans, could someone get access to kind of a, like an immediate an immediate loan with a lower interest rate? These kinds of things. And I remember thinking, wow, yes, we need more financial tools. We need more financial literacy in this country. But these are really smart, talented, hardworking people that I am building these products for. And they could be, they, there are jobs that they could do that would pay them more. So it's one thing to help, you know, move your money around. And that is important, you know, learn how to save, learn how to invest all these good things. But also there's, there's, you know, we could solve a lot of these problems by enabling people to work in better paying jobs and better paying jobs, ideally with more fulfillment, if that gives them more challenge. And so that you're, you know, you're making more money with the eight to 10 hours a day you spend at work, but you're also getting that fulfillment. So that's, that's what started that journey of why was it that these hardworking, super talented, um, su- just wonderful people didn't see what, the opportunities were so that they could make more money and and kind of achieve more of their life goals with with their with the time that they were spending at work. Uh, and so then I, I went to work for a job board and started to see, oh, why is it that job boards haven't solved this problem for anyone? Part of it is that job boards, the way that they're structured, and I'm going to nerd out here a little bit, so feel <laughs> free to rein me. Feel free to rein me in. Um, is is that job boards are structured? They use what's called keyword search. You type in your keyword. You typically type in a job title, and you get those job titles back. And some of the more fancy job boards will start to try to match. Okay, this job title is just sort of similar to these job titles, but largely it's just keyword to keyword. Mm-hmm. And so if you you know you get a role like um, customer success, which is new, right. And is not just customer service. These jobs pay anywhere from 65 K to 120 K. If you didn't type in customer success, you might not know that your experience working with vendors, your experience in customer service, your experience looking at data to kind of track sales 
and your understanding of a business would make you a really good fit to break into this really high paying, high growth role because you're typing in things like sales or you're typing things like support or data entry or administrative assistant, not seeing that your skills are a much better fit and and in your life goals are a much better fit for this higher paying role. And because of job boards, if you type in for administrative assistant, it's only going to show you jobs with the word administrative or assistant in them. And then occasionally truck driver, but that's just because there's bad, yeah, bad job I've search. I've seen that. I have seen that. <laughs> well, um, that's another conversation for why why everyone sees truck driver jobs when they look on job boards. Um, so and and so so that's where I learned. Oh, you know, search the way that search is structured at all of these job boards fundamentally is that they're limited by this technology in part because. We sort of assume that job seekers know what titles they're fit for, mm-hmm. and that's just not the case. And it's especially not the case just given how fast our economy is changing, right? Yes. Um, you know, like, like think about your iPhone. Like we, like the iPhones didn't exist, and now all the jobs related to an iPhone are new, and they didn't exist before. And so your personal family network may not know what those jobs are. Um, your school network may not know. Your it's definitely your colleagues don't know if you were not in an in that related industry. Um, so going back to kind of the barriers that you we talked about earlier, another barrier, um, especially if you don't have this wider network, is that you don't know what these titles are. And so that so long story short, you asked me kind of how how we got in, how my co-founder and I got into starting JobStep and why. And so it started out in, in kind of financial services and fintech and then moving into the job board space, but just realizing you know, the more and more I dug into why is it that smart, talented, hardworking people aren't getting the most for their time, the most for their effort, um, not getting into these really exciting new careers. And it's because we've designed the job search system to say, no, you who has the least amount of information in the economy, you as a job seeker, you're responsible for figuring out exactly where you fit in the economy, even though you as an individual have the least amount of information about where you might fit and where your skills are going to be most valued. So that's- Yeah, that's how that's that's what led to job step. And I think that's great. And I think that there are a lot, like you said, a lot of limitations and not understanding the whole, you know, the applicant tracking system and how you oh, mentioned yeah. the keywords. I know I'm always coaching my students and clients that, you know, you really have to look at that job description, but it's so time consuming, right? You yes. tailor the resume, you tailor <laughs> yes. the cover letter, you have to do your research. You have to be savvy in how you navigate that process. But then you said something else that's also very key, job titles. So sometimes people get hung up on using, you know, maybe the same job title, but those skills can be applicable to a wide range of careers. And how do you even start that? You know, can you share with me in your experience, you know, how, you know, women, uh, minorities and (laughs) working, you know, class individual, like, how do they, in your experience, how do you see them underselling themselves oh. on their resume, in interviews, and then where they choose to apply? Oh, this is, you have opened a really important question. And I think this is this is probably one of the biggest barriers that no one's talking about, right? Everyone's like, oh, we need to hire more minorities. We need to, and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's what I see when with, um, with uh, just, women, minorities, working class individuals is these are some of 
the most hardworking, some of the most uh, just generally there's, I think, I think you can kind of split people. You can always split people into two groups Let's for, and for the sake of this example, what I see is, is there's a cut. There are people for whom um, they look at a job and they go, yeah, I have 30% of that. I'll figure the rest out. And then they apply. Mm-hmm. No problem. And I, and part of that comes from having a strong network and kind of intuiting, here's what I need for the job. The rest I can figure out. I have people who I know. And then there's a group that's oftentimes skews more women, more minorities, more working class where um, they're not as sure they want to, they want to impress their boss. They want to impress their colleagues on day one, and they want to be close to perfect as possible. And, and so they look at a job description and they go, mm, I only have 98% of these <laughs> of these experiences. I don't think I'm going to fit. I don't know that I'm going to be successful. Um, and what I really encourage, uh, especially when they work through job step where we're actually finding and applying to jobs is saying like, let's flip the model, right? Now the, the extra cost of one application is not half an hour of your time, right? It job steps going to take that for you. And so think about it. A recruiter is only going to reach out to you if they think you have the skills based on what's your, on your resume. So let's mm-hmm. just, let's see, we think you have the skills. So let's see. I think that's, that's one is just when you look at a job description, I say a, a healthy anchoring is if you think you have 60 to 70% of the requirements, go ahead and apply. Why is that? Because most times, most of the time, a recruiter or hiring manager, when they're coming up with a new role, they actually, instead of kind of thinking through all the things that they actually needed, they went on the internet for customer success or sales account executive, and then copied the first job description they found on the internet. So it's not exactly an apples to apples mash. The second mm-hmm. one is that they oftentimes put a lot of nice to have. So like when you're putting this on the internet, maybe we'll find a unicorn. And the reality <laughs> is there is no, you know, so 30% is a good, a good heuristic for, we may not actually need this. Um, or, you know, someone else had some other skill that will, that will counterbalance it. So that's the first thing I would say, um, is if you have 60 to 70% of their experiences, you're a fit, go ahead, go apply, put yourself out there. The other thing that I will say um, is is for kind of women, minorities, and working class individuals is um, is is when they talk about their own experiences, right? There's there's often I think it comes from this desire to be an extraordinary team player, right? Like no, my my part was small, or we as you know when mm-hmm. they answer their interview questions, they say we we did this, we did this, and, that, yes. and, and in an interview you need to talk about what you did, and you should not be selling yourself short. You should be talking uh, truthfully and accurately, but with no caveats, right? Talk about yes, we as a team. There was a team of five people. Our goal was to hit this whatever thing that you were trying to achieve. My role was, was X. My role was to figure out how to get the project out the door. My challenge specifically was that, you know, uh, my manager wasn't on board or the client was a little bit hesitant or, you know, we had never done this before. So I did research. I went on YouTube. I went on Coursera. I talked to friends. I set up this user research. I set up this project. I tested this thing. The first thing didn't work. So I tested another thing and I got it out the door. And as a result, here is your specific result. Here's how I specifically, how I knew that I did a good job. And then here's how it contributed to the whole group, right? I think this is the other bear is that you, you, we, as team players, 
women minority working class, but this is not a lot of people, right? Even if you don't fit into that category, you often say, we, I'm a team player. We did this. I, I had a small role. Of course you had a small role. These companies are giant. Everyone has a small <laughs> role, right? And, um, and I think it's in the details. It's your problem solving skills and how you approach the problem and your attitude and the way that you keep going. Those are the things that an employer is looking for. And they don't need you to tell them how big or small mm. um, your role is. You be, uh, be as objective as you can. Like, oh, here was the size, here are the number of customers that I spoke to. Here are the number of leads that I brought in. Here's the revenue that I brought. I launched this program on time, on budget. I launched this program within six weeks. Our target was 10, right? You give them the numbers and they can decide, are you at the scope? Are you at the level that they're looking for? And so don't, don't undersell by adding these adjectives like, oh, I had a small, mm. role, I had a big role or, you know, I just did this, or I only did that. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yes. Yeah. So that, that over and over, we see that, we see that over and over. And so actually when we, when we have a job, when, when job seekers work with us, we actually start off with interview prep. We start off with this reflection exercise to get them to talk about their experiences and people will use the we a lot. (laughs) They will put judgments on there. This is a small role or I just, I only, um, uh, and we really push, talk about your metrics, talk about what you did. What was your challenge? Talk about the outcomes. Um, talk about the, um, talk about how you measured your own success. Talk about how your boss might've measured success. And then that's where we can start to craft a more objective, a more, okay, here's, um, you know, give any where you can when you talk about your experiences you can give the kind of scale and give the level to an employer and you no longer have to put that judgment on yourself about whether it was small or big that, oh my god you hit up on so many <laughs> great points that i'm like taking my notes here uh yes so one of the things you mentioned and 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 i always talk to my students and and you know my clients is don't screen yourself out. Yes. I think don't. people just quickly screen themselves out. And like you said, you know, I've worked with individuals who are like, I will apply to anything and everything. Yes. And then when I'm working with, you know, some of my, you know, students, some, some of my women clients, um, some of my Latinas, they'll be like, oh, but I, you know, I don't think I'm qualified. And I'm like, but you are, you hit on so many different areas. And I think they just screen themselves out. I'm like, I would just apply, like throw your name in the, you know, in the hat. Why not? But also, like you said, there are, you know, they're putting these job postings together and like everything in the kitchen sink, like you said, the unicorns. Yeah. Yeah. But if you are able to identify, you know, some of your unique strengths and skills, Mm -hmm. they might be able to see like, oh, we can really use this skill set in this organization. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so how do you work with clients to help them kind of think outside the box and say, well, you qualify for this? How does that work? Yeah, this is, this is, this, I think this is where, the fact that we have analyzed so many job descriptions, and at this point we have helped so many job seekers and we have numbers, we can give job seekers, I think in the same way that you have experience, right? You have, we have worked with so many students and you've seen them go on to the next phase of their life. Once you have these numbers, then I think that adds, just adds confidence. Being able to talk to a human who's kind of seen others, that's, that's one 
And so we can say, yeah, no, no, no. We, we worked with a client just like you also came from a temp agency or from a call center and they broke into a much higher paying uh, customer support role or technical support role. And here's why. When you talk about how you went above and beyond, how you set up this documentation, how you trained these other individuals, sure, that wasn't in your main job description, but you took that initiative. And that kind of initiative is what we see is what employers are looking for. So that's one is just being able to speak to here are specific types of stories that we know and specific types of skills and specific characteristics that employers are looking for. I think the other thing that we we start, one of the things that we are very intentional with with our onboarding form is we kind of intersperse, yes, we ask for metrics, but we also like, what were you proud of? What made you mm. happy? You know, of course, most of us don't like every aspect of our job, but sure. um, I find that most people, because it's eight to 10 hours, we find ways to motivate ourselves. We find things that are exciting. We we find ways to take pride in our work. I think that's, that's one of the things that is, is pretty, every job seeker we've worked with at job step, when we ask them like, you know, what, what motivates you? They, they're looking for a job where they can, they can say, yeah, I, I did good work today. Right. And so think about those experiences where you felt like you did good work. How did you feel like, why was it that you were doing good work? What did you do so that you could improve it even more? And it's those stories that, I, that where you start to see what, um, what makes someone extraordinary? What makes them both an extraordinary human, but also someone that is going to add a lot of value um, in a company? And we we focus in tech. And one of the things that we find when we when we interview and talk to tech employers is that they're looking for people who are very adaptable, people who can um, who aren't afraid to learn new skills, and people who will mm-hmm. take ownership and take initiative. Right. And, um, and I, and it's in these stories when we ask job seekers, okay, tell me about this time when you, you, you really took pride in your work, where you felt really proud. It's those moments where they did something that was outside of their core job description and they went above and beyond to fix a system because it was broken or to teach someone or improve the training with the team member because they wanted everyone to feel more encouraged at work or you know they saw that something was super repetitive and there's a lot of room for error so they just they changed it and that's those are those stories that people often forget to put because they they hear the they read the the job advice online to say oh let me like take the job description and then customize it and add all these keywords and they they leave off to your point really what really makes them unique and what makes them um, the kind of candidate that any employer would would want. Yes, I you know I, I always when I have these conversations I always tell people. Let's say you have the same job as 10 different people. Yeah. How did you do it differently? Exactly. How did you go above and beyond? What, mm-hmm. what spin did you put into it to make things better or improve or enhance uh, whatever the case may be? And I think that storytelling is a huge part of the, the job search process, right? How you put yourself right. out there. Mm-hmm. Now, thinking about the great resignation or even, you know, like I've yes. a lot of clients that, you know, especially women going back to, to, to women uh, that, you know, they're experiencing maybe m- the added responsibilities, yes. right? So they have all these responsibilities without the job title, without the promotion, they're doing all these great things. They are loyal. They are hardworking. Oh my gosh. And so it is- often. <laughs> this is and it's like a, like a hamster wheel, right? Like it's so hard to get out of it. It's like, but mm-hmm. I can't leave right now. It's not good timing. We just talked about how draining the job search process is. There's no time for it. 
how do we get them out of that hamster wheel? What are yeah. your, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I'm not a gender expert, but I, this pattern, this pattern is so weird. When I look at our job seekers and I look at the customer and the job seekers that I speak to, um, I, I think everyone, everyone has either hit or come close to burnout this year, gender class, whatever this was, this was a lot, a hard year and a half. Um, what I found for, for women, especially women with children, but not even women without children, um, I think it comes back to that kind of team player mentality. And, and then also just, uh, there's um, what I can say is that the, the women that I, they, they took the pay cut, they took the furlough, they took the pay cut. And then they were working really hard to keep the the ship moving, to keep, you know, to, to like, they took on more responsibility as there were layoffs and, or they were laid off. And, and then to your point, they, there was this just cycle of just kind of taking on more work and trying to be a team player and taking the pay cut. And then also with um, the reality is that women today, um, hopefully this will change in the next decade or sooner, but women also tend to take on more of the responsibility at home with or without kids and, and definitely take on more caretaking responsibility. And there's, it just adds up, right. Um, how do we get them out of it? Uh, What we hope with, with job step is by saying, look, we have, here's your exit plan. You continue juggling what you need to juggle. We will do the application, the resume, the applications, the search, the note, like notifying you when in an interview so that all you have to do is show up for the interview prep, show up for the interview and see, is there something better for you? Um, Cause I think there's the other piece. There's, there's a real fear um, when, especially when things are going South at your company, there's a real fear um, where, well, can I get something better? Right. Someone's giving me a pay cut. Am I worth it? Am I, am, am I worth more? Um, or it's just so hard. It's probably going to be hard to find a job out there. And I think that's, that's the barrier the mental barrier that we want to remove, which is saying the cost of, the, of finding a better job should be lower, right? You, yes. you should not, it should not be 60 hours over seven months and you trying to juggle a full-time job and everything else in your life. And, uh, and then also finding and applying to hundreds of applications to get a better job. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that means that the people who are, um, most loyal, the people who work hardest, who give their all at work are less likely to be rewarded by having different offers because they're not looking at what else they could get in the job market. And so that's, that's part of it is just recognizing that the signals that you're getting from your employer are not the only signals that matter just because your employer is not paying you as much as you'd like. Doesn't mean that it means that your employer is not paying you as much as you'd like. It doesn't mean that there you like it. You could be making so much more with your right skills. And the only way to figure that out is to get out there and and start interviewing and 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 negotiating and and really getting that that market signal. Absolutely. And so what I'm hearing at Jobstep, you all remove the barriers. You def- you work on the logistics, the the part that people dread. Yes. Right? <laughs> and the the pieces that just feel like never ending, super time consuming. So yeah. you remove that. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying you prep them and basically they're ready for the for the job interview. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's our goal. That's what we do. So what we so when a job seeker works with us, 
we have them start off with this reflection exercise. We call it online interview prep. So you, we guide you through this form. It's 85% interview questions. And what we've done is taken the co- most common interview questions and we've broken it into um, each question into the implicit questions that employers are actually asking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, for tell me about yourself, the, what employers really want to know is where are you, what are you looking for in your next job? What is it that you've done in the past? And how do you know that what it is that you're looking for, that you're going to be good at it and that, um, and, uh, and that you're going to like doing it. So again, that's like that humble brag section. And then what is it that you're looking to do long-term and how does this company and this role fit in, right? You answer those four things you've answered. You're telling me about yourself. Most people don't know that. So we, we have you, we guide you through those kind of foundation blocks for those sub questions. Mm -hmm. This one takes work. So most people take four to eight hours to complete it. But our, our hope is even at that first step, um, this reflection exercise, they've already practiced answering questions. They now have it written out. They can now go and revise and practice. Then they, after this reflection exercise, then they get to meet with an actual human coach for an hour. This coach has the onboarding form, the reflection exercise that they've just completed. They also have, um, the data guidance, this is the kind of the data from our data team about what roles and what jobs is this job seeker a really good fit for? And what are the requirements that we need to make sure are in their resume? And what are the skills and experiences they need to be, they need to make sure that they talk about in the interview. So the coach has this very, this one hour tactical session with the job seeker to really give them that kind of evidence backed advice. Um, so that's, that's the end of interview prep at the end. So now the job seeker has these tools, has the onboarding form, has these tips. The job coach is going to then write a resume and cover letter for the job seeker based on that data that our data team has by analyzing thousands, thousands of job descriptions. And then also looking at how, um, previous job seekers have done. And so we can kind of see, okay, this is the best practice. These are the types of resumes that are, are really seeing traction. So the coach then writes the resume and the cover letter, the job seeker approves them. And now we handle, to your point, all of the repetitive, mind-numbing logistical work. So we find job seekers jobs. And so every Tuesday, Friday, we send them a list of jobs. They approve them. Once they approve them, we apply to those jobs for them. Um, And then once they start to get interviews, we also notify job seekers when they're getting interviews. And so this way job seekers don't have to see the the 25 applications that either never got back to them or passed on them, right? Because remember this, you get one interview for every 25 applications you send. Instead, we're only notifying them when they get that positive, that positive result. Yes. I love that, that they don't see that rejection, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. We want you, we want you to focus on what you can control. We want to focus you on your confidence. We want to focus on, on getting you momentum. And so we do that busy work. We, you, if you wanted to check all the emails, you could, but we say, you don't have to, we've got your back. We're going to notify you when you have, when you have interviews. And then along the way, um, my team has built these really great kind of thank you note templates and scheduling email templates, which is very various things to just simplify it so that you don't have to worry or kind of get anxiety, but like, what should I write to the recruiter to schedule my interview? It's all hand. You, you just kind of copy and paste the templates. And that way, you schedule the interview, you have the, the tools and the confidence and time to walk into the interview and hopefully ace that interview. That's phenomenal. So, you know, in, in working with clients and going through this automated process and all those, those great things, can you share a few success stories? Yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> success stories. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, uh, gosh, so many, <laughs> um, it's been, it's been a real privilege just to work with, uh, just the range of job seekers that we have worked with. Um, there's one story in particular that just, just gets me. Um, so this, this man, um, was a teacher, was a computer science teacher, um, at a kind of part-time computer science teacher who was not making, uh, very much money at all. Um, he, along the way had decided that he wanted to become a software engineer. So he taught himself, but then actually he, after he had kind of done two years and had started to build up some of freelance career, uh, found that he had a tumor and so lost his memory. So lost all of that, all the learning that he'd learned on kind of engineering. And that really affected his ability to kind of work for, for many years, taught himself again, how to be a software engineer Um, and then got into kind of teaching computer science, but just, he was, he is a, he's, he's a father, he has children, um, he's working, um, he's trying to kind of build his freelance career and he just had had no luck applying to jobs online, was not good at networking, um, was worried because of his health background. So he worked with us, we revamped his resume. He was another case where he was, he was just trying to make his, his work sound so small. And he had done these really cool, he'd beat these really cool apps for his family. One app was to, to help his, his child learn to read and so built an app. And then that, um, that app ended up being adopted by all of the neighborhood families and just these great stories. Um, and, uh, we ended up helping him not only get a ton of interviews, I think we got him 11 interviews. Yeah. The job offer that he ended up getting um, ended up doubling his salary. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. And, and so it's just, it's just one of these amazing examples, just like how there are incredible people just didn't know how to apply, didn't know how to showcase their skills. And, and it was just such a privilege to, to help someone as, as, uh, just wonderful as, as this person, better career. And, and he ended up getting, um, breaking into solutions engineering, um, which is a really good stepping stone for software engineers to break into software engineering. Oh yeah. my goodness. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now that, I mean, that's such a powerful, powerful story. What I really like about your, your approach in, in terms of your organization is being able to help these individuals identify those experiences and skills and highlighting them in a way that doesn't not undervalue exactly the, you know what what their background entails. So I think with his with his story, just even learning something, you know that that perseverance, yeah, the initiative, uh, overcoming adversity. Um, yeah. Do you have another uh, success story? <laughs> I have so many. I have so I many stories. Well, let's do one more. Let's do yeah, one more. Let's do another one. So, um, so uh, yeah, this there's another story. So there's um. Um, so he had worked, he, uh, he graduated from college um, and kind of throughout college had had worked in retail to kind of pay pay the bills and then ended up getting promoted. So, And this is a really common story where you kind of your part time job becomes your full time job out mm-hmm. of out of graduation. Um, actually, there is there's a really interesting stat by this research company called Burning Glass. That's something like um, I think it's 46 or 47 percent of college graduates. Um, their first for the first five years out of college, they're in, they're in, they fall into roles that don't actually require a college degree. Um, and this is because it's so hard to get into the entry role of role. You don't know how to apply um, or your part-time job. It was just so much easier, right? Money in hand is much better than money, not in hand. 
And he, and, you know, he was making, um, not bad money, right? Like, uh, like 70 K 60, 70 K, um, but wanted to break into tech. He knew he could do more. He wanted a more challenging, uh, career. He, he wanted to get out of retail. He wanted to control his hours. Um, he was interested in things like communications or, uh, or account management or, um, and, and customer success, but he didn't know one, well, which of these titles, was going to be the best stepping stone for him. He wasn't sure, well, would he have to take a pay cut um, if he switched into another industry? Like who was going to recognize the value of, of what, um, of what he, what he has to offer. And, and he had done really great things, right? He had revamped teams. He had set up new documentation. He had set up new training. He had turned um, bad departments around like very, like things that are pretty common in retail that, People in other industries often kind of undersell. They're like, oh, you, you, you manned the, the cash register. And you're like, yeah, <laughs> yes, I manned the cash register, but I also looked at inventory and I also trained the team. And I, you know, um, mm-hmm. and so I think it, and and so for him, he was actually one of our, our fastest cases. Um, he got uh five interviews really quickly and then actually closed an offer within five weeks. So our program is normally a minimum of five interviews in six weeks. He it, he was just that he was, it was really fast. Um, and so he ended up breaking into tech. He broke into a partner success role, making without compromising on his salary or his lifestyle. And that career is one of the fastest growing careers in tech out there, partner success and customer success. Yes. And I feel that that is the story of so many individuals that I know I've worked with. And like you said, even recent college grads, that was like, oh, you know, I've been working in, you know, retail, the service industry. They're not glamorous jobs. They don't count. I'm like, what are you talking about? They, they count. count. They count. And, you know, like the level of, ex- of, of experience or that skill set or, you know, training others, mm-hmm. that team building or the, the problem solving, all those things really make a huge difference. Yeah. And so I'm hearing from you that you empower these individuals to really capitalize on their strengths and teaching them how to convey that to their application and preparing them in that interview and really making sure that they're presenting themselves and putting their best foot forward Um, and being able to tap into some of these careers and opportunities that they probably would have never thought of without that guidance. Uh, I think that your, your company is phenomenal and I know for sure that you're going to be helping a lot more individuals that need to land these positions that are very well deserved. Uh, so how can people learn a little more about the organization? What is the next step? Thanks, Liz. Um the next step for job step. Um, the first step, take a look at our website. Uh, what we do, uh, our website is www.jobstep.co.co. Um, and what we do is we, we're, we're best at technology careers today. We're expanding rapidly, expanding, rapidly expanding our expertise. Um, and so if, if the roles that we focus on are things that you think, Oh, that could be interesting. Even if you're not sure you're a fit, sign up on the website. Um, we have a quick little assessment to kind of give you tips on where we think you might fit. Um, if we think we let's dig in a little bit more, make sure like we can really explore what those options are. We'll, we'll hop on a call, um, and then get you started with the program and hopefully expand your options into a better paying high growth career. That's amazing. Any final tips, final tips, (laughs) any final tips, (laughs) um, besides setting up for job step, I think the, the, the other tip you mentioned great resignation. This is 
this is a, it, it doesn't feel like it because obviously we're still in a pandemic and things are really up in the air, but employers cannot hire fast enough. If there was a moment for you to decide, yeah, you know what? Let me just see what's out there. Let me see what else I could get. Like, maybe you love your job. Maybe you hate your job, especially if you hate your job. This is the moment to say, all right, yeah, employers cannot hire fast enough. Let me see if I can, if I can make more money or if I can t- finally jump into the, you know, into a role where I'm going to use the skills that I really do enjoy all day. Um, so put yourself out there, talk to your network. If you have time, throw out a resume, throw out an application, whatever it is, take that step, explore. Employers cannot hire fast enough. They cannot find, they, they say that they cannot find people fast enough. And so this is your moment to, to really take the next step and hopefully um, the next step of, of a better paying, more fulfilling career. Let's end with that. This is your moment. Such a pleasure. Thank you, Eleanor. I appreciate your time and your insight. And I wish your, you know, your business much success. Thank you, Liz. This was such a pleasure. You are doing such important work, just sharing the inside scoop on how to get jobs, how to move up. I, I really appreciate your your podcast and I really appreciate the heart with which you, you have these conversations. So thank you for, for having me today. 